Hello and welcome to the Folk Rooster Podcast, the podcast where me and my friend Rob talk to interesting people and have excellent conversation. Uh, my name is Caleb, and as always, I'm here with Rob. Say hi, Rob. Hello, Caleb. Rob, what are we talking about today? We are talking about journalism, and we're talking to a very special guest today. Who are we talking to? We're talking to our first ever contributor to FolkRooster.com, first of many, hopefully. Her name is Christina Taylor. Christina Taylor. She is fantastic. Um, if you haven't read any of her stuff, go to FolkRooster.com right now. She's got three articles. The latest one is about uh, the interview uh, with Sean Penn and Charlie Rose on 60 Minutes. It's fantastic. Check it out. Hey, but before we get started, please go and check out FolkRooster.com. We've got excellent articles. We've got videos. You can find the podcast there. Um, find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and now YouTube. Uh, I've got two videos up right now uh, where I review novelty, cool, fun stuff. Um, so let's get started with the with the show. How, how about that, Rob? I'm in. Let's do it. Hey, Caleb. Hey, man. Well, we got Christina coming on. She is in the news business, or, or was in the news business. Yeah. Uh, she's definitely on a hiatus from that right now, but she's got a couple of degrees that signify her, her passion for, for journalism, and she teaches a uh, even a, a different class on the ethics of, of journalism. So it kind of makes me feel like a bad, you know, news getter guy is that a thing i don't like i don't yeah no that is what they call it in the news biz. <laughs> is that a, is that a technical term oh, sorry i mean in the biz uh, i'm just they... just a bad news getter guy yeah. so how do you get your news now like oh, what's right. the top three ways you get your news um blogs and social media okay. probably let's be more specific like give me like Face- the top three websites or channels like get oh facebook right Facebook. Yeah. I mean, that's number one. Facebook, Facebook for sure. Number yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and then there are specific blogs that I go to for, you know, I really get, honestly, it's Facebook. You know, there's, there's stuff that's kind of less important that I get from other sources, you know, io9 for science, you know, sci-fi and, you know, dorky pop culture stuff. But, um, but for news and for updates on day-to-day stuff, it's mostly Facebook. As an you know, it aggregates the content for me, and I can pick and choose from from what it, from what it gives me. Which sounds sad now that I say it like that. Like <laughs> it's fed to me, you know. Yeah. And uh, and you're that, not active in your pursuit of it. Right. You've gotten to a place where you're complacent. Right. What what comes to you is the news. Right. Am I wrong? No, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I I would assume that a lot of people are like that it's where news is headed and it's where and it's i guess i don't know not just news but everything is headed in this direction of needing to fill so many gaps for people they've got to be everything to everyone and and what i'm interested in talking to christina about is you know vice like we brought up vice Vice now does news or Vice has a news arm. And, you know, I worked in news, um, but I was a 
as a sort of a marketing side person, but I worked with news and that used to be, I mean, it was unfamiliar to me, but before, before us, before marketing and news worked together, they were very separate and there was a, a high wall between the two. Um, and now you're seeing local news mostly suffer from, from, not being able to to navigate those waters. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and that's why I absolutely love what we do because it is not news. We get to dance around news. Um and 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 I hope I I don't plan on going in that direction, but what's nice is we're not stunted by by the the laws of news and we get to dive into topics that that are a little bit deeper, a little bit more interesting with the caveat that, you know, this might be weighted in one direction, you know, which we won't try to try to be, but are there laws of news anymore? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes and no, I, I mean, yes, there are. Um, and maybe they're not laws there. Maybe now they're more suggestions. Um, and, and that's not, again, I mean, there, I think anyone who goes into, or maybe not anyone, but, but most people that go into journalism go into it for the right reasons and they are just trying to make it and try to make a a niche for themselves because that's a hard industry to, to go for the long term in and, but you know, the folks higher than them have different objectives and different, you know, they got to make payroll and, and they don't fully understand how to navigate these new waters. Um, and I don't know that they're that new anymore, but I mean, how do you, how do you go from owning eyeballs at 10 o'clock or, you know, nine, 10 o'clock for most people? Um, to now no one's watching you and no one's forced to sit down and watch you. Um, and they get their news for free on social media, you know? Uh, that's a, that's a question for, thank God for someone else. But yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I don't watch local news anymore. I don't think I have uh, since I was high. I think it was high school. was the last time I watched it more than once a week. Is that weird? I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's weird. I think it's common. You know they're going to have to figure out a new way to, to, to bring folks in and and make the money to pay journalists to do good journalism. Um, do good journalism now. Just do it. Hashtag hashtag do good journalism now. <laughs> hashtag do good journalism. I mean, and that's. I mean, you know, I I I don't mean to like dig into you know the higher you know quote unquote higher ups and media but because you know they again like i said they have to make payroll they have to pay for the the to f- cover the news that you want and and so it's like how do we pay for that how do we like how do we pay for good news the whole conversation makes me really depressed like i like when i think about news and it's not, i don't necessarily think about bad news but i just don't attribute where i get my news with trust and confidence and quality i have not in a long time, felt good about where I get my news, and I try to move around. I go, I go everywhere from 
CNN, the Vox, as I said before, to HuffPost, to Drudge, to local, to newspaper site. Like, I just, I've never felt good about where I get my news. And I don't, I don't know what that says about the sign of, of journalism right now, the state of journalism right now. I hear that a lot, but I, I, there's also that part of me that goes, well, if we didn't have all these sources of news and you just had the one, but you felt like you trusted it, would you question it? Would you still question it? I'd like to say yes, but I, I don't know. I mean, you look at Nielsen ratings and you look at how, you know, from a, from a sales perspective, how, how news organizations make money, you know, you can measure clicks and you can measure, you know, uh, bounce rates. And I mean, you can, you can really see who's looking at your content online. Um, at least here in Kansas. And I, I don't know if they've just, I think that's still the case. I'm pretty sure I just saw this, but they're still doing handwritten journals to determine who's watching your local news. And I don't know, ask the average person, you know, mention call letters and see if they know what channel that's on. You know, it's such a caveman <laughs> recording of viewership, but that's still where all the money goes to. I think there needs to be a leap from everyone into <laughs> this new world. And I know it's scary and you want to hang on to the old ways, but it's, it's just, it's not real. It's not reality. You know, you're talking about a caveman process of tallying the popularity of a media outlet in the same time that we live in. When there is a school shooting, there is a video on Twitter within minutes. And there's not just one, there's multiple. And then there's people on Periscope that are live broadcasting it. And believe it or not, those people are now journalists. So what do we expect from our educated journalists or, or, or you know, trained journalists? I don't think the idea of journalism, ha- like I, I almost wanted to say we need to redefine journalism. Um, and I don't think that's the case because I think the ideals of journalism are solid and they are something to aspire to. But I think they, I think people general, you know, when you say people, it's kind of like people who watch news have an idea of what news is. And I think that needs to change. Um, I think that's antiquated and we have, we live like the reality is we live in a very transparent world where I just, I mean, I saw a tweet today from the, is, is he, he's the CEO of Twitter talking about, was it five, five executives who just left and that's like huge, you know, and it's this big company and they're, you know, like we have that, like that information just comes to us. News organizations and the people that watch it need to, need to rethink about how we get formal news, I guess. I don't know. Are companies responsible? I'm using the word responsible a lot tonight, but are these companies that are buying these local markets or just buying up all, you know, these media companies, you know, TV stations and and whatnot, are they responsible for changing the way that they deliver news to people? Because the people who are sitting at home in the rocking chairs 
you know, a couple beers in, watching the news on TV, they're not going to be around much longer. Yeah. No, and I, I think it's one of those things where there's it's an industry that's been able to survive for so long without without changing, without innovating how, you know, how people get news because, you know, and, and they, now they have to, and it's like, you can hang on for as long as you like, but the, I think we all know the reality is that that's, that's not going to be there for forever, you know? Um, and I, I mean, obviously that, that, that's for someone much smarter than myself, but I do. I mean, you can. I mean, I think you don't have to be the smartest guy in the world to know that that things are changing and and there's got to be a new way. I mean, these these companies have to have to figure out a new way to do, to do what they do. Coming up, Christina Taylor talk about the state of journalism and the pieces that she has written for FolkRooster.com. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, as usual, this is the time that we break in to talk about some of our favorite things this week. Rob, what's your first favorite thing this week? Caleb, my favorite thing this week is my new cold, K-O-L-D, water bottle. It is 40 ounces. It is vacuum sealed. It is double wall stainless steel and it has a carabiner top and I love it. love it very much. You can get uh, my, the size that I have for about 35 bucks and I would recommend it. My favorite thing this week happens to be uh, a little bit of alcohol. Uh, it's Boodle's Gin. It's a British gin. Uh, my girlfriend picked it up recently and made a fancy old school drink. I can't even remember the name. Uh, but the gin was actually really delicious. And so I don't usually do liquor as my favorite thing. But this week, Boodle's Gin. B-O-O-D-L-E-S. And welcome back. Now is the time in the show when we talk to our super awesome guests. And I'm so excited to finally have her on the podcast. Give her a warm welcome. I'm imagining applause now. Uh, Christina Taylor um, is an Emmy award-winning journalist and our first contributor on the Folk Rooster website. Um, you can find all of her stuff at folkrooster.com. Um Christina, welcome. Say hi. Hi, guys. What a warm applause. Right? <laughs> I just, I'm ima- <laughs> like, ah, uh, like there's just, ah. Yep. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing great. And I should mention you are on the phone. And where are you, where are you calling? Or where are we calling you from? Where are you right now? You are calling me to or in uh, Denver area, Colorado. Beautiful state of Colorado. Is it freezing? Is it cold? It's snowing right now. Oh my god, that's incredible. But not that cold. And by incredible, I mean I'm glad I'm not there because I hate the cold and I hate the snow. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad that you are enjoying it and it's beautiful. Um, 
Christina, I wanted to get into a little bit of the stuff you've written for us. But before I did that, I kind of wanted to introduce you to listeners, because this is the first time you've been on the podcast, um, about your background a little bit, because you have a pretty unique background. Um, You are from Cyprus, correct? That is correct. And uh, yes, uh, the beautiful island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean, Eastern Mediterranean, very close to the Middle East. We are geographically in the Middle East, but we like to claim Europe as our continent. In fact, Cyprus is a member of the European Union. And yeah, that's my beautiful country, and it's gorgeous, and everybody should visit. Yeah, and (laughs) when did you make your way over? Uh, I'm going to date myself. I was 18 when I came to the States, which was 23 years ago. So a long time ago, I came to go to school, to go to university, as we say. And I was supposed to be here four years, and four years became 23. <laughs> Christina, that's great. Uh, this is Rob, by the way. Thanks for so much for taking time to, to be on today. Of course. Uh, in, in university, at university, did you study journalism, Christina? I did. I, I studied communications with emphasis in broadcast journalism. But I learned everything on the job. That usually is the case. <laughs> right. Have you been in journalism since then Is in some form? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was really lucky. I was lucky because I got a job in my last semester um, as an associate producer and then just kind of kept moving up in a newsroom and um, I became the executive producer and stayed in the same newsroom for a long time, 15 years or so. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I learned a lot in those years. I learned a lot about journalism, and I learned a lot about being a manager, and about running newsroom, and uh, I learned a lot how to criticize others, which is kind of what we journalists like to do. <laughs> and I've been in that. I've been in that situation. I've been in the newsroom, and I know it's a stressful place. And uh, and and so you're not there anymore. That you're. That's not part of your life anymore. What was it like? to have made your way in that environment and then to walk away? Because you did a couple of years ago, right? Or, I did. Yeah. I, yeah, I walked away a couple of years ago. I went back to school to get a master's degree, and I was really burned out when I left. I, it was the right time to go. I had done it for so long, and I've done it. Um, it was so intense for so long. And just, you know, it was, it's really a lifestyle. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. And you're always on um, when you work in it, especially in a successful newsroom, um, or a newsroom that keeps growing. And, you know, I loved it. I loved it for many, many years, but I was exhausted at the end, and I was ready to, to give it up. But, you know, what's interesting is that I gave it up and went back to school, and while I was in school, I was working on the thesis and, uh, a master's project and all this stuff. So I was still studying journalism, so I didn't miss mm. it at all. Now I'm completely out of it, and I miss it. <laughs> and by the way, if you're hearing a big meow in the background, <laughs> I don't know if you do or not, but that's one of my cats. <laughs> and how many cats do you have? I have four. <laughs> and what, what are their na- what are their names? Lady. <laughs> are you ready for this? Yes. <laughs> Cindy's the oldest. Cindy, she came with that. Dilemma was named Dilemma because she was a dilemma, whether we were going to keep her or not. (laughs) 
And Lulu and Tommy are the two young ones, and they're um, all four of them are rescues. Cindy from a, the Humane Society, the Dilemma from a Bush, and Lulu and Tommy from our porch. <laughs> from the porch. Uh, they just showed up and they left. So far, a theme in what you've written for us is the state of journalism. Your last article, your latest article, was about the Sean Penn interview uh, mm-hmm. with Charlie Rose on 60 Minutes. And... and it w- he had some interesting thoughts, and I was wondering if maybe you might elaborate on that a little bit. And what you, I mean, what's your opinion of like this? I mean, the state of journalism, maybe in brief, or maybe that's too too big a question. But okay, here, here's what I'll, I'll start here. I I think I tend to write about the state of journalism because I am still pondering the state of journalism, and sometimes when I you know, when you put things down on paper, your thoughts start to form. I am not sure what the state of journalism is in this country. I don't know if it's good or bad or somewhere in the middle. It depends on the day and the story and the news coverage and the station and the reporter who's doing it, you know? Um, right. It was interesting. You know, watching that interview with Sean Penn, there's lots to say about that. But what really got me after he rambled on for the entire interview is when he sat face-to-face with Charlie Rose, who is one of the most respected, accomplished, insightful journalists I've ever watched, and said, I am sad about the state of journalism. And it just made me go, who are you, Sean Penn, as an actor, to lecture Charlie Rose about the state of journalism? And and that's what really just bugged me the most. And you know he's right. He he has every right to have his opinion. But then combine that with the way he said it, with the fact that I still don't know why he interviewed El Chapo, with the fact that his article was a disaster, and it just like it it all just flustered me. So Christina, I don't think that a lot of people would disagree with Sean Penn and that, and that might be because of they're not as attuned to journalism and good journalism as you are. And some of the people that Caleb and I may know that we have mutual friends that are good journalists, but give me, give me some examples of journalism gone right. Give me some of your examples. Like recently, some things that you uh, got inspired by. That's that's hard. That's totally putting me on the spot. I'm unprepared to answer that. That's okay. You can even, is it, because is it hard because it's rare? Good, I, it should be top of mind, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's not that I necessarily disagree with Sean Penn. Uh, it, like I said, it kind of depends on the day. I just didn't like the way he said it. It's like you, you almost... So, if, if maybe Charlie Rose had said it, would it would you have agreed? Oh, yeah. If Charlie Rose had said it, I would have taken it um, a lot more seriously, and I really would have thought, boy, why does Charlie Rose think that? And, yeah, I think, again, I wouldn't disagree with him, but I would have considered it a lot more seriously. I just feel like 
coming up from a show and things felt like a joke. Christina, let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk about the difference between local and national news. Do you feel like viewers don't see the disconnect between national and local news? Viewers have no idea the difference between local and national news. People consider the media as one and the same, the media. It doesn't matter whether you work in a small town or at a network in um, New York. It just doesn't matter. The media is immediate to the viewers, which is unfortunate. Do you believe that mentality is killing the local media? No, I don't think it's killing the local media. I just think it's sad and unfortunate that um, a lot of local reporters who really work very hard and are very ethical and they try to do um, right by the, the by you know the um, by other journalists and by ethics of journalism and by the viewers or readers and by their community. Um, you know, it's just really unfair to them when they're lumped together with, um, you know, two talking heads on CNN yelling at each other. You know, the media being the media. And it's just not fair. What would differentiate them better? Or what what can local news do to, to differentiate itself from, uh, to, to really find a, a good niche, you know, and, and maybe go down a path that's better or... Um, or can it? Yeah. I think a lot of local news um, reporters, producers, journalists, I think they already do what they should be doing. It's just unfortunate that it's hard to differentiate. Um, but I honestly think the best way to do it as a local news journalist is to focus on your community. Um and to focus on covering your community um, as fairly as you can, you know, by understanding, by learning your community, um, the needs of your community, whether that's a small town or a whole state or whatever it is, that's um, that's the way to be different from the national news, which. You know, let's be honest, it's national news if it's happening in the Northeast. It's really not national news if it's happening in the middle of the country, you know. Mm. Um, and, and we get that. I get it in a way, you know, the Northeast is a huge population hub. A lot more people live there than they live in the middle of the country. And I, and I get um, why networks tend to put more importance to that. But that's how... That's how you can, as a local journalist, you can um, do right by your audience, whoever that is, by understanding your audience and by covering them in a way that's balanced. Um, and that only happens if you're there long enough to understand it, to be honest with you. You have to get to know your community. You can't just be the reporter who you know, goes in, does a job and leaves. You really got to get involved in your community and understand it. I know that there are big corporate companies who own a lot of local stations. Is that part of the problem or is that top, like that unaffiliated top down mentality hurting local news? You know, I actually, I, I've been lucky 
I've been lucky because I work mostly for um, companies that weren't that huge and companies that gave um, the station where I work autonomy to do what was right by their their market. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily a concern. Sure, I think there's companies that mandate certain things need to be covered a certain way. I get that. Um, but I don't think that should really get in the way of doing good local journalism um, in, uh, in the way of covering your community and understanding your community. I don't think that should get in the way. So, Christina, one thing about the, the big companies that uh, are coming in and, and buying up you know, these um, smaller market TV um, stations, is it is it driving down the money allowed for good journalists, like being able to, re- to retain a good journalist, say like a small market size? Are they just going to continue to lose good journalists to, just because of payment? There's gonna, and then these small markets are going to end up buying or hiring kids out of college? Yes, that's a concern. It's a concern. Um, speaking in generality, it is really hard because I don't want somebody out there to listen to this and go, my company doesn't do that. You know, of course, not every company does the same thing, but I do feel like money issues, um, when you your company is not investing in you, um, it's easier to just say, well, forget experience, let's go hire somebody straight out of college. And, you know, it's funny that I say that because I was hired straight out of college, as I already said, but I was hired in a position that was entry-level and grew into a bigger role. Um, you know, now we hire straight out of college and put reporters on the air, and Without, truly, without trying to offend every 22-year-old reporter out there, because, again, I don't, I don't think every reporter is better just because of age or experience. But sometimes I watch the news and I see very young reporters, and I wonder, what does this person really know? And, again, it, it's, I'm not trying to offend anyone. But it's hard when you're very young and you haven't had a whole lot of life experiences to relate to the community that you're covering. So, I mean, it could be as simple as doing a story on buying a home or selling a home. You know, if you're 22 and never bought or sold a home, all of that is kind of over your head. And and, And yes, you can learn the logistics and the steps and the numbers. You can learn all those things, but what's missing is the experience of feeling what it's like to buy your first house or to sell your home or to be in a foreclosure or whatever the story might be. Being older, having more experience on the job typically means also means that you've had more life experiences and it's easier to relate um, to your audience. Getting in here to do our favorite things, number two this week. Caleb, what is your favorite thing, number two this week? My favorite thing is a book, and it is called Where to Eat Pizza, The Last Word on the Slice. It is by a food critic named Daniel Young. Um, It is uh, the expert's guide to the best pizza places in the world. So, uh, you know, where to get the best toppings, um, a bunch of... uh, 
experts weigh in on where to get the best slice. Um, I, I am infatuated with pizza. I love pizza so much. And so this is like the perfect book for me. If uh, you know someone that likes pizza as much as I do, uh, you should probably pick up this book, Where to Eat Pizza, The Last Word on the Slice. Rob, what about you? Caleb, my favorite thing of the week is Field Notes. Little notebooks, uh, all shapes and sizes. Yeah. Graph, ruled, plain, mixed, doesn't matter. I love them. They're very versatile. You can buy them wholesale if you want. Great for giveaways or to, to keep it. Their little saying is, I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. So Field Notes, if you uh, like to take notes or if you want to give for somebody who does. Christina, I kind of want to back away from that for a second because, plug, you contribute to the Folkrister.com website. Mm -hmm. And I am like, if I'm not your biggest fan, I'm up there. I always get so excited when you have something come our way. But um, I kind of want to dig in a little bit into like, so, you know, you've left the journalism stuff uh, behind a little bit. You're still uh, following it and still passionate about it. But what what are you interested in tackling now that you you can kind of write about whatever you want? I like to write about things that either I really like or get on my nerves. How about that? So far, that's pretty much what I've done. Yeah. <laughs> I've pretty much written about things that get on my nerves so much. <laughs> well, it means you're passionate about it. So there's emotion there, yeah, which yeah. is always a good place to start for a story or for, for writing. Yeah, and here's one thing that, I, um, that I'm pursuing, and I've been slowly building on this. I, um, I'm really passionate about teaching, and I... You know, I did that when I was a manager, a user manager. Uh, one of the best parts of the job was helping you know, these young reporters, young producers, um, kind of find their way, grow into the job, understand what they're doing. I loved it so much. And, um, I, you know, I really want to teach, continue to teach. But I've, what I've already started doing is teaching um a workshop on, te- on on how journalists can be more, I'm going to throw this fancy word out there, multiculturally confident. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it is my multicultural competency workshop for um, journalists and for journalism students. Um, I've taught it at a couple of places so far, and I'm going to teach it again in the spring. It basically um, talks a lot about, as journalists, how we can avoid stereotypes in our coverage, Mm. how certain words um, send out a message that maybe we weren't thinking, certain pictures send out a message that we didn't want to send. Everything we put out there as journalists um, sends a message to the audience, whether we it's our intention or not. it, it is. We're always implying something, and the viewer-listener is always inferring something of what we said. Um, and a lot of times, we have no idea we're doing it. So I like to kind of open um, minds a little bit about, hey, maybe this is a stereotype, and you should think of another way of doing this. Um, 
And it's kind of challenging because it's political correctness, and I hate using that because, you know, that's so political. I, I've had good success teaching that with people who said, boy, I've never thought of this. And I've had people who said, I'm not doing it. So <laughs> it's been kind of interesting so far. It sounds like a tool that not only keeps you from stereotyping people, but probably is a really good journalism tool to get to the actual bottom of the story because people may may tell stories differently that you get out there and you talk to as a journalist. Am I mistaken with that? Um, that's a good way of thinking about it. I, mean, I actually did not think about it that way, but that's that's well put. Um, and, you know, nothing in, what I, in my workshop is really um, original in a way. You know, it's not like I just came up with this. It's what's out there, and it's what people are talking about. Um, let me throw an example, if I may. We had um, when with the death of Michael Browning Ferguson and um, all the racial protests and the um, police shootings and all of those things that we've had going on, um, a lot of um, the media, and again, I'm lumping everybody together, and I'm sorry for that, <laughs> But the media, you know, took pictures from a Facebook page or wherever and put it on the air. So for Michael Brown, for example, there's a couple of pictures that are floating out there. One is him kind of standing there flashing some signs, whether they're gang signs or not, who knows. Um, and the other picture is him in his cap and gown at his high school graduation. So which picture are you going to put on the air? Because they're telling very different stories, the two pictures. And they're sending very different images. So it's something that I like to bring up in my workshop for discussion. Where do you take your pictures when you do a story about somebody who just died? And interestingly, after all of this happened, a, a hashtag started on Twitter. Um, I don't want to completely misquote it, but I think it was hashtag, if I die today, which picture would they use? And people started sharing pictures from their social media. There's a picture of a guy in his Marine uniform versus his picture hanging out with his friend smoking a little weed. You know, which one would the media use? Because, again, they're telling very different stories. Yeah. So it's just very interesting because I don't think um, we think about that as journalists. We are so rushed to get the story on the air or published or whatever that we're just going to go to the Facebook page, grab the picture, and put it on the air. But we're sending a message out there, and we're telling something to our viewers. Christina, this has been an incredible conversation. And before we get off the phone with you, I have a pop quiz for Caleb, who he admittedly is your number one fan. Caleb, what is the name of all four of Christina's cats? Oh, <laughs> bastard. You better be writing that down. It was... um, um. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> two? Can you think of two? One? Is Ted? No? Nope. Tom? There's Larry? Tommy? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. <clears throat> and, uh, oh my god. I don't know. I'm lost. Well, there's Lulu, and what was it? Dilemma? Dilemma. I couldn't okay. think of it. And then what was the, what was the first one, Christina? Cindy. Right. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? There you go. And you uh, should have known. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, 
if I had if I had to bet if I was a betting man, I think the media would use a picture of you and your four cats if you ever had to be on there. <laughs> the problem is how you get four cats in one picture. Well, you work on that. I'm going to get my husband to work on that. Yeah, we'll work on that. We'll get it up on the uh, on the website with your next uh, your next post, which we're very much looking forward to. But again, thank you so much for taking the time, and we cannot wait to read your next article. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Well, how about that? How about a person with that kind of knowledge writing for FolkRooster.com? I am uh, happy. Caleb, what about yourself? I'm very happy, and I will do whatever it takes to make Christina happy and writing for us. Um, Good stuff there, deep stuff. Um, I I feel like there's a lot more to explore uh, when we talk about journalism, and I, I hope she has more of that. And I hope she can can come back and maybe write a little bit about what she's teaching because that's that's really important. I think. Yeah, just to recap, she she went over kind of how she became a journalist. Obviously, studying at university. Caleb, did you study at university? I am, I did study at university, and I am studying at university. Well, we will follow along with bated breath. To see how right. that goes for you. <laughs> she also covered uh, local versus national uh, corporate influence in the news. Um, she also covered the Sean Penn interview. <laughs> I love that one. I, 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 he, he is ridiculous. Another big thing, and I thought this was a great cherry on top, is talking about her ethics class and the stereotyping in, in journalism. And to have somebody who has that kind of forethought and that kind of passion writing for us. I'm, I can't believe it took us seven episodes to get her on to talk to her about it. <laughs> well, I think she was a little nervous and clearly did excellent. So uh, we'll definitely have her back to talk about some of the stuff that she's writing. So very excited. Look forward to, to seeing more of her stuff. And hopefully we'll see some soon. What else we got coming up on the podcast, Caleb? On the podcast, uh, we got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, we are doing... <clears throat> Yeah, we got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, but we, we'll, we'll get something. We'll get something, we promise, and we will report that very soon over Folk Rooster on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and, of course, FolkRooster.com. Caleb, any last words for everybody? Hey, man, do your thing. Nothing. <laughs> no. Words to live no. by. Words to live by. Um, do the right thing. You know, whatever that is, just do the right thing. I feel like you're like an inner city math teacher in New York City. I, how did you know? (laughs) (laughs) Is that it? Is that everything? That's great. Yeah. Go practice your quadratic equations. Yeah. Pythagorean theorem. We know math stuff. Holla. (laughs) 